Welcome to Thrive Church Online. We are here to know God, to grow in Him, and go. We hope you feel encouraged and equipped through this week's message. I like our worship. Well, you could do better than that because like... See, the problem is you guys haven't had to endure sucky worship in so long that you don't appreciate how good it is. I mean, we, you, you take for granted, you take for granted what, it, what is rare because it's common. Um, the, the best example is, I think sometimes the best thing you can do is have your wife leave for a couple days. Or your husband leave for a couple days. And then all of a sudden you begin to miss the stuff that used to get on your nerves. You know what I'm saying? Like, like the stuff that used to like just irritate you. You're like, man, I miss it. Um, that's why I go out of town sometimes. Just so my wife will remember. I just play. I just kidding. I got to go home with her. Um, so if, if I do this. Somebody, anyway. Um, uh, no, man. I am excited to be here, man. There's nowhere that I would rather be. We do have a lot of people that are battling uh, some I mean, just colds. It's North Carolina. Um, so we've had so many people call and just reach out. And like, and I think everybody's afraid of the word that we can't say because you know what I'm saying? Because uh, we're on social media platforms. So if you're watching and you're in your pajamas and you're under covers, man, thank you for being here. If you, if you got up and actually took a shower, man, we thank you. And uh, we're just so glad you're here. Um, if you used to go, anyway, um, that's a plus. That's extra plus. So in that, you know, we're in this series called Crazy Prayers, and one of the things that I do as a parent, one of the things that we do as parents, um, is every every morning, and we've done this literally since birth, is we get up and we pray this crazy prayer over our son, and we're just like, God, keep him safe, um, help him, you know, stay in your will, and and God, just just we need you to go before him and behind him and beside him, because life is crazy. Now here's the thing, man. We we actually have raised a pretty good. Uh, young man. Um, yeah, thank you. Come on. Uh, I'll pay y'all later because y'all don't live with him. Um, but no, he is. He's, he's remarkable. But this week, if we can just bring a couple pictures up. So I got a call. Uh, yeah, keep going. Just blow through these. Um, so this is what, uh, this is his truck, by the way. Um, had a guy blow a red light and uh, just, uh, it, it, it was not a happy day. You know, the call you don't want to get as a parent is, oh my gosh, I've been in a wreck. Can you come meet us? And uh, so we got there. And here's the awesome thing. The young man that hit him, totally okay. Um, minor, minor bumps and bruises. Um, uh, uh, there was just no life-threatening anything. There were, there were a couple little injuries that came out of it, but nothing like, you know, no helicopters, no, no breathing tubes, no, right? Now, here's the thing. That may seem like not a lot to you. But to me, that's an answer to a crazy prayer that's been prayed over and over and over again. Because a lot of people go, man, to pray over your kid every day for 25 years is crazy. And I'm like, look, I plan on praying over my kid when he's 45, and I forget what I was talking to God about. You know what I'm talking about? Like, I'll be so old, I'll be like, God, can you watch over? What was I talking about? Um, you know what I mean? Like, like, and here's the thing. that Scripture talks about what seems like the foolishness to men is actually the hand of God. And so, you know, maybe the thing that in this series you're praying for um, may seem to be a little crazy, 
I just want you to know, man, we're going to look at some of this, that God oftentimes operates in things that don't appear normal. And uh, so last week we talked a little bit, and we talked about theology, and everybody, you know, everybody has a theology. And we're in the South, so like a lot of our theology is inherited. Like it's what mom, dad, grandma, cousin, uncle, brother, what somebody taught you. And, and theos really just means God, and ology means the study of. So theology is the study of God. And uh, one of my favorite quotes is this, is it says, um, it is dangerous to build your theology based on your experiences. It has to be built on the Word of God. Because what's in the Word, have you ever noticed how different the Bible is to what we actually do? Like Jesus and the Bible talk about all this stuff, but we've been taught some variant on what God actually said. I lost some of you right there. You're like, what? Where? I'm just saying that if you read the Bible as if you had no experience with it, like you'd never been to church, grandma didn't teach you anything, you were just you were just a heathen. No, no, no. Can I, see, everybody laughs at a heathen. But you know the great thing about a heathen is they don't have any God issues to get over. Because they ain't been close enough to him to figure anything out about him, right? Like, they haven't been taught anything so they didn't learn anything wrong. And when you read the Bible for what's really in the Bible, what you find is there's this thing about crazy prayers where God is just like, man, I'm not calling you to live like everybody else. Because a lot of times we build our theology on what we see around us. There ain't a whole lot of Jesus around you if you haven't been out in public lately. So why are we living a comparative theology when what we should do is just be living a God theology built on the Logos, the written Word of God, going, God, reveal to me and make it rhema. So there are two ways you hear from God. You, you, Logos is the written Word of God. Rhema is when God reveals something to you. But God would never reveal anything to you that doesn't line up with the written Word of God. Make sense? So like if somebody comes to you and goes, hey, God showed me and it has nothing to do with God. This is an easy example. Hey, I feel like God wants me to handle snakes. No. No. Scripture does say if you are bitten by serpents and all this stuff, God will protect you, right? Like I believe in that. But let me tell you something. I believe that God will heal my body. But you don't see me like jumping out in front of cars. I, I believe in sidewalks and watching out for stupid. You know what I'm saying? Like before I cross the crosswalk, I'm still looking because... I live in North Carolina and I know how people drive. I can bring pictures back up. You know what I'm saying? Like, like it's a thing. So here's what, here's what, and I love what Jay talked about in our opening, but Hebrews 11 1 says this. Now, faith is the, is the assurance. Some people say the sub, some versions say the substance of things hoped for and the conviction or the evidence of things not seen. So, in other words, faith is not built on what you see, it's built on what's not seen, on what you hope to happen. What doesn't look like it's going to... Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for. The evidence of things not seen. It says, man, if you can see it, you don't need faith for it. Faith is all about believing God for stuff that seems impossible. God is literally building a theology on crazy prayers. James 2.17, this is just a little bit of recap. It says this. This is one of my favorite scriptures. Also, faith... By itself, if it does not have works, dead. 
Now, we have a lot of first responders. A bunch of them are medical first responders, and they've got a term called DRT. Dead right there. DRT means this. There ain't nothing we can do for you. You are dead, my friend. Right there. Scripture says this. Faith that isn't going to do anything about what it believes is dead right there. It ain't, it's not going anywhere. It is the equivalent of keeping the cap on the faith bottle. And a lot of people refuse to believe God because they're afraid it won't happen. I can't believe God for that. What if it doesn't happen? Well, first of all, I'm going to say this. You're building your theology back. You're building your theology based on distrust. How many people have ever heard this? Man, trust is earned. No, it's not. Trust should be given and then disqualified. I choose to trust people until they screw me over. And then I'm like, well, we're not doing that twice. But if I make you earn trust, it, man, man, that's like going, you know what? I love my kid when they do something to deserve it. Well, first of all, when they first come out of the chute, they're nothing but eat and poop. That's all they've got and cry. So am I going to withhold love until they mature enough to figure out if I actually like my own kid? Well, here's the thing. God's looking at you going, ho, oh, oh, ho, time out. Time out. When have I ever let you down? Why don't you trust me until I give you a reason not to trust? Do you know that, do you know that most people don't have a problem with God? They've got a problem with church. Because people are goofy in church, man. We say we love Jesus, and then we cut them. I mean, this is, we're like prison with nice people. We shank people when they don't even see it coming. Like, like they're at their lowest, and that's when we pounce on them. I, I had somebody I was talking to not long ago, and uh, they said, what kind of church do you have? And I said, uh, Mosaic. There's actually a church called a Mosaic Church, by the way. And they, so they go into this theology. I said, no, 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 no. Oh, you're wrong. And they looked at me like, what do, you, what do you mean? And I'm like, no, we're just full of broken people that God has made an image out of that looks like the bride of Christ. We're different colors. We're different backgrounds. Some of us got broken different ways. Some of us got dro broken because we were dropped. Somebody that should have caught us, we slipped through their fingers. Some of us, people slammed against the ground. Some of us broke ourselves. A few of us, the devil broke. Most of mine was self-inflicted. Right? The devil's like, hey, we can work somewhere else. He's got him on his own, right? So, um, so my point is that, that the faith that I have in who and where God is creating our church, the, the, the small C church, to go, Looks a whole lot like Jesus. Which means we have to believe God that when, when the most broken person comes in our door, I see Jesus in them. That you see their potential for what God can make them. When we see broken marriages come in, we see potential. Man, when, but, but here's the question. What happens when it's your kid or your marriage? Or your faith journey? Can you believe God for those crazy things that only God can do? We go on. Luke nineteen or Luke seventeen eleven through nineteen says this: On the way to Jerusalem, Jerusalem, he was passing between 
Samaria and Galilee. And he entered a village and he was met by ten lepers that stood at a distance. First of all, you can't hang out with lepers. Not not leopards. I said that wrong a couple weeks ago. Leopards. Leopards are are totally different than lepers. I'm just... um, These people had boils. And at the time... Uh, it, let's just say they had COVID. Ten people had COVID that couldn't be cured ever. Context, right? So these people come and they stand um, at a distance to Jesus, but close to Jesus. They were more than six feet away. You remember, remember tape on the floor? Remember those days? Anybody, when you walk into a place that still has tape on the floor, you're like, oh. I just see... <laughs> Can I just divert for a second? You shall not pass. Like COVID comes. Anyway, i to be careful because I said the word. Now I'm going to get kicked off YouTube. So, um, so here's the thing though. I want you to pay attention to something. The lepers came and stood. Came and stood. Came and stood. They put action behind what they were hoping God would do. But what seemed impossible. Today we're going to talk about the fact that faith without works is dead. See, there are people here that have have leprosy, but you don't have a physical leprosy. You've got an emotional leprosy, or you've got a spiritual leprosy, or you've got got something that's eating on your, your soul that only proximity can change. And the only way to change your proximity is to move. Faith is an action word. It requires, faith requires you to do something about it. And lifting up their voices, and they said this. Now listen to this crazy prayer. Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. That's a prayer. Have you ever gotten to the place where all you could say is, God help. Man, I just, dude, I just need you to do something. And can I be honest, the reason we see God, have you ever noticed that when people get in desperation, they see God more, do more than they do in their normal life? Because desperation will cause you to pray prayers that sanity will keep you from. Because in order to get in the mind of Christ, you've got to get out of a mind that walks in the flesh. You've got to believe God to do stuff that doesn't make sense. I love, I love this. And when he saw him, he said to them, go and show yourself to the priest. Wow, action again. Go, get out of here. Go show yourself to the priest. And as they went, I love this line, as they, as they went. Jesus didn't heal them right on the spot. As they went, as they went and put action behind their faith. Because if, if I want Jesus pray for me and make my leprosy go away, I want to see the leprosy go away before I leave Jesus. Like his... Money's the only thing that, like this dude's the only thing that can change me. And if you think I'm walking away from Jesus before I see my leprosy gone, you are crazy. Because I saw that chick touch the hem of his garment thing. Like, I'm not leaving. Notice that when she touched him, she was instantly healed. But now Jesus is talking about a progressive healing. People always ask me, do you believe in healing? I'm like, yes. What, what kind of healing do you believe? I don't care. Listen, I don't care how you make cookies. You want to slice and bake me some cookies? <laughs> Done. You want to bake them from scratch? Done. You want to make brownies? I'm, I don't care how you make my dessert. 
I just like dessert. Jesus, I don't care how you do what you do. That's not my job. My job is not to tell you how to, how to, how to perform any miracle you want to do. I'm going to be, and I'm, I'm stealing from later in my notes. My job is also not to tell you when to do it. God, I got to have this by four o'clock. No, you don't. You got to have it in the right season, in the right time. So, God, when you decide to serve, anybody ever walked into Mama's kitchen? I'm t- my mama cooks from scratch. They ever walked in there and said, Mama, how long till dinner? She says, Dinner will be ready when dinner is ready. Get out of the kitchen. Anybody else have a mama like my mama? Like, my mama four foot tall. But if you mess with her at the wrong time, it's like, it's like okay, mom, I'm leaving, right? Um, so, so, so the reality of it is, is, is it's my job to eat from the table that God prepares for me, but it's not up to me to tell God how to set the table. But my job is to trust. Now listen, if I go over to mama's house and it's breakfast, lunch, or dinner, I'm going to tell you this, I will eat fed. Because I've spent enough time with my mom to know that she's always going to have something prepared for me. I've spent enough time with God to know that even in my craziest of prayers, it may not come when I want it to or how I want it to, but God always prepares a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Make sense? So Jesus looks at these boys and He's like, look, go. Jesus, I don't want to go. I want you to heal me. Go. And as they went, as they put action to their faith, it's kind of like this. Jesus put it, remember when, when He calls Peter and He says, hey, let down your net at the wrong time of the day and, and put them out in the deep and all this stuff is wrong about fishermen. Here's a carpenter telling me how to fish. Shut up. Right? These guys are looking and go, Jesus, this is not how I saw this going. I saw us calling out to you and you answering us and now I'm healed and this is the way it works. But you're telling me that to go and now I have to put faith behind what I don't understand. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for. The evidence of things I don't see Jesus. I don't see me changing. But now you're telling me to walk away. Scripture says, and as they walked away, God began to heal them. It says, as they left, they were cleansed. And one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back, praising God with a loud voice, and he fell on his face at Jesus' feet, giving him thanks. Now, he was a Samaritan, which is totally against a regular Jew, because back then, like now, we have to have Christian wars, which never made any sense to Jesus or to me, because if we're all... Anyway... But I want you to notice this, that as he's healed, healing caused him to increase in his faith. But then the action, the causal effect of that faith is his worship changed. So here's the thing. A lot of people don't understand why some people worship different than other people is because because maybe they got healed of leprosy. Not literal leprosy, but spiritual, physical, financial. Jesus answered, were ten not cleansed? Where are the nine? And was not one found to return to give him praise except this foreigner? Jesus said, man, when you, have, when, when you see me answer crazy prayers, there, will be a call, there should be a causal effect in the way you live your life. But here's the thing, only about 10% of the people will get it. Look, if only 10% of the people get it when Jesus teaches it, my hope is lower than that. Here's the question, where do you fall in the percentage? Are you a person that can really believe God and trust God to do things that are crazy? He goes on and he says this. He said to him, rise, go 
your way, your faith has made you whole. Jesus instantaneously talks about, about, hey, now that your faith is elevated, I need you to go take more action on an elevated faith. So there's always going to be this call for you to have faith and then a call to action. A call to faith and a call to action. A call to faith and a call to action. Matter of fact, Mark 5.22, I love this. And then one of the rulers from the synagogue, Jairus by name, uh, seeing him fell at his feet and implored him earnestly saying, my daughter is at the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her that she may be well and live. Now let me tell you something. If my kid is at the point of death, I will fall at your feet in a way you've never seen. I'm locking Jesus down. Like I'm not falling at his feet like, I'm falling at his feet like, it looks more like a football tackle. And this guy's pleading for his kid. I love this. And, and he went with him because here's the thing. The crazy prayer is my daughter is dying and I need you to save her. Because obviously Jesus wasn't his first option. I'm guessing there's no scripture to back this up. The doctor came and said, hey, there's nothing else we can do. Now what are you going to do? What are you going to do when you don't have any options left? Jesus started walking with him. And a crowd followed him uh, and thronged about him. And there was a woman who had a discharge of blood, an issue of blood for 12 years, and had suffered under many physicians. Can I just say, I think a lot of women understand that statement. Because when you have women issues, you will suffer under many physicians. It's a thing. She'd spent all that she had, and there was and was no better, actually, but rather she grew worse. When she heard reports about Jesus and she came up behind Him in the crowd and touched His garment. Action. Now here's the weird thing. Jesus is on His way to heal a sick little girl. If I'm, if I'm Jai, 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 if I'm Jay, <laughs> come on Jesus. If I'm Jay, I don't care that you've had a period for 12 years. You can live with the period, right? Back then, we were smart. We sent women to the edge of town. I'm just kidding. I'm just playing. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm just, I'm joking. Come on. I've got men right now that refuse to even look around the room, right? Pastor does not speak for all of us. <laughs> but, re- but really, if, if, if I'm a dad, I'm like, you can live with the period. Can I get a witness? Maybe difficult, maybe uncomfortable. 12 years, I can't imagine it. Because more than likely, if you have a period for 12 years, you're also anemic. So she's probably passing out. I mean, it's not just when we read that she has a period, you're like, okay, well, yeah. When you start thinking about the ramifications of, of bleeding for 12 years, and there's not a season of transfusion, and there's not a season of, I mean, this lady looks like a ghost. But if it's between you looking like a ghost, but you're still alive, but my daughter's dying. I want Jesus to step over her. Can I be super like non-pastoral for a minute? I'm okay if Jesus steps on her. Because that's my kid. Look, you can do what you want to to me, but my kid, I may or may not look like Jesus. That's just honest. And I love this. So she comes up behind him and puts faith to her action because she heard about Jesus, but she's not sure what he'll do. 
So she flanks him. She just comes in behind him. I love this. And, and, and she touches the hem of his garment. It says this. It said, and she'd heard reports about Jesus. She came up behind the crowd as she touched his garment. I love verse 28. For she said, crazy prayer, if I touch even his garments, I'll be made well. Man, all i got to do is just reach out and touch Jesus. But it's not enough for me just to believe it. I have to touch it. I have to put action behind my faith. What does that look like for you in the prayer that you're praying? In the crazy prayer that you're praying, what does that look like for you? Ending this, Mark 5 35. So, so she touches him. Jesus heals her. Um, while he was still speaking, there came from the ruler's house someone who said, your daughter's dead. Jesus, if you hadn't taken all this time healing the lady with the issue of blood, why don't we go heal my daughter and you circle back around her? She's been 12 years. Another couple of hours ain't going to hurt her. Let me ask you a question. Have you ever prayed this prayer? God, why did you do it for them and not me? Not realizing that your order is not always God's order. Your timing is not always God's timing. God will do it in the order it needs to be done in to work out what He's trying to do. See, can you imagine being this dad? And, and, and all of a sudden he said, man, your daughter's dead. Why trouble the teacher any further? But overhearing what they said, Jesus said to the ruler of the synagogue, do not fear only believe. So many times we refuse to pray prayers because we don't trust God's timing and we think it's too late for God to do anything about it. And in that moment, Jesus tells you the same thing that He tells us. Don't fear. Only believe. God hasn't done it yet. When do I stop believing? I don't. I never stop believing for what I'm praying for. Because some things you have to plant now. Anybody ever heard of bamboo? It stays dormant for like three to five years underground, but doesn't mean it's not growing. Just because, just because you don't see God move in the time frame that you think God should move in and do exactly what you think He should, that's the difference between having a genie and having a Savior. That makes sense. A genie does what you want when you tell him just rub his lamp and he's on the spot. All I can hear in my head is Robin Williams right now. Did you rub my lamp? Jesus is not Robin Williams, thank God. But, He is a Savior. And a Savior and a Lord shows up when they want to, how they want to. doesn't mean that they don't, they don't answer. It just means they don't do it always exactly the way you think they should. I love this. Verse 37. And no one follow, uh, 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 and he allowed no one to follow him except Peter, James, and John. Uh, uh, John, the brother of James. And he came to the house, the ruler of the synagogue. And when Jesus saw the commotion and people wailing, uh, weeping and wailing loudly, and when they entered the house, <laughs> he said to them, why are you making such a commotion? <laughs> because my kid died. 
you idiot. If you hadn't been out there with that girl. No, 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 no. Because when you're hurt, you say things towards God that you don't mean. Don't, don't, don't act like I'm the only one who's ever said something to God that you're like, uh, hey, so about that. Before the lightning bolt, I'm really sorry because that was stupid. Jesus walks in and is like, why are y'all crying? We make this sound like it was said consecutively, but we don't know what the response was before the next line. And Jesus said this, child's not dead, but sleeping. No, I know dead. First responders know dead. You know when you walk in the room what dead looks like. I've seen people sleeping. I had a guy one time, he had narcolepsy. Like, I really wish I was making this up. You know who I'm talking about. He really suffered from narcolepsy. And so I walk in, I was working at a church. I was, I was an associate exec pastor. And I walked in and the pastor and his wife were in the hallway. And they're like, come here, man. And I'm like, what? And this dude has his hands on the keyboard. He was a video editor for us. And was just like, mouth open back. And I'm like, and they kept calling his name like out loud. Like I'm down the hall in here. I'm like, this ain't good. So I walked in and I, fe- I felt for a pulse. And he sat up and went, amen. I said, look, dude, ain't nobody following for that. <laughs> like, I'm like, dude, we thought you were, we thought like we got you to Jesus, got you to Jesus. Like not closer to, but like, hey, here he is, right? Like it was that See, but here's the thing. Just like with that guy, things with God are not always what they seem. Sometimes when you count it over, God's counting a new beginning. Sometimes, sometimes the Reverend Garth Brooks said, sometimes I have to thank God not only for answer prayers, but for unanswered prayers. Because sometimes it's only through the wisdom of time do we understand the hand and the heart of God. It's like this. I know a ton of first responders that wrestle with, with when babies die. And can I just be honest? Here's, my, here's always been my thought on that. Is it better to live a long life or go to heaven? Could it be that in the infinite wisdom of God, that kid was going to grow up and be a thug because it had dorky parents that probably never should have reproduced, but that's just my personal opinion. And the only way to ensure that this baby spent its eternity in the presence of God was to bring it home early. When I don't understand the hand of God, I have to trust the heart of God. Does this make sense? I love this. And they laughed at him. Because when you believe God for something crazy, people are not going to believe you. When you really have to believe God for something only God can do, you will have people that may not physically laugh at you, but they're going to say statements that have the same spirit. Verse 40. But he... But he put them all outside. And he took the, the, he took the child's father and mother and those who were with him. And he went in where the child was. And taking her by the hand, he said to her, uh, I'm not even going to try it. Which means, little girl, I say to you, arise. And immediately the girl got up and began to walk. First, began walking for she was 12 years of age and they were immediately overcome with ama- amazement. And he strictly charged him that no one should do this. I love this next line. And he told him to get her something to eat. Because dead has a way of taking it out of you. You ever notice that when, when you get upset, the first thing you want to, I mean, I'm talking about really, really upset, grieving upset, the first thing you want to do is not eat. You ever notice when somebody passes away and then the first thing everybody wants to do is bring you food? Jesus looks and He says, look, everybody needs to get out of here because Jesus hates wrestling 
unbelief. Now there's a difference in I wrestle with the unbelief. Because remember the guy last week said, Jesus I believe, but even so help my unbelief. One is a head battle. Because anytime you pray for something big, you're going to have doubt that you have to take control of, right? There's a difference in head battle and a heart battle. These people in their heart thought Jesus would never do it. That's why they laughed. Because if you got the stones to laugh at Jesus, you are filled with unbelief. And Jesus like, look, y'all need to get out. Because the only people that are going to believe God for this are, are my boys. Because even among the twelve, Jesus had his ride or die. And really, in the die moment, they were not that reliable. What does that tell you? That that tells you this: that you have to, you have to, when it comes to crazy prayers, you got to be careful who you share them with. You don't share it with the twelve. Thank God for the twelve, right? Like, like when we're doing some stuff, I want the crowd. Maybe I'm the only one. I'm an extrovert. Okay. <laughs> My wife's like, I'm not sure. She's more of an introvert. She's like, twelve? Can we? Anyway, but when I get serious about something with the Lord, I need the three. I need the four. I need my ride or die. I need the people that, you know, when, when, when Tracy was battling her health issues the other week and we had to take her for that, that emergency stuff and all that, I, dude, I was hitting my ride or dies. I was like, hey, I need the people that I know can, can get in the presence of God. I need you. I need you in agreement with me, right? Like we, I need favor. I need, I need like, we need to walk into the ER and go back. Like, like I need, like this isn't like a wait moment. This is like a, come on, I need Jesus, right? And then we walked back and we went to the ER on a Sunday, right before people don't want to go to work on Monday. All my EMS people know, I know exactly the cause you're talking about. I get a headache. Can you take me by ambulance? No. Anyway, um, walked right in. They said, hey, you're going to have to stay overnight because we don't have a surgeon that can do this. Oh, just kidding, we do. Man, that was lucky. No, it wasn't. It was a crazy prayer answer. Like God shows up and and we just so happen to have, and we just, ah, we, this isn't going to work out, but it did, and you're going to have to stay overnight. Oh, we're just kidding. You're going to get to go home the same day. and Because you can count it as coincidence, but I just count it as crazy. The answer to a crazy prayer. Sometimes you've got to kick the people out of the room, not because you don't love them, but because they're not strong enough to believe the same way that you do. Honestly, the same way that God does. Doesn't mean you kick them out of your life. Jesus went and ate fried chicken with them as soon as we were done. Because what do you bring? I think they were from southern Jer Jerusalem. Because what do you bring people in the south when somebody dies? You get the big bucket of Bojangles chicken with the and don't skimp on the sides, pick some extra sides up. And that half gallon of tea ain't going that that ain't going because there's an uncle sign in every family. Go ahead and get the gallon. Come on, it ain't but about four or five hours more. Don't don't. Okay, I'm just preaching now. <laughs> so here's the question. In your faith journey, because here's the thing. You can, you can, you can read stories. Oh, let me do one more. I know I'm short on time. 40 seconds over. Can, can, I, can I just give you one more because I skipped it? it? It's real short. Matthew, 11, uh, Matthew 14, 28 through 30. Uh, and this is a story of Peter getting out of the boat. He said this, he said, And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it's you, command me to come to you. Here's the thing about crazy prayers is, is if you're going to pray a prayer, crazy prayer, what you've got to do is figure out where God's at. Hey God, if you're in healing, call me to come out to you. 
hey, God, if you're in restoring my marriage, ask me to come to you. God, if you're in, um, uh, we had a lady who, who wrestled with getting pregnant for years, and we just began to pray for her, and, and, and everybody started calling her mama. Barren, but we called her mama. Like three years later, she walked in. No medical processes. No, and I'm not. Again, I'm not a down with them. They're just expensive. Like you buy a car for trying to have a baby, and then they give you a baby and it costs you a car. So we just began to pray, and they're they're like, man, we just want to see where God's at. And three years later, she walked in and said, hey, I don't know how to tell you all this, but I'm pregnant. Right? Crazy. God, if it's you, tell me to come out to where you're at, because I just got to know it's you. God, my finances are screwed. I just need you to call, call me out there. If it's you, hey God, my relationship is tanked. If it's you, call me to come out there. God, my faith just isn't there. But if it's you, call, just tell me to come to where you are. I love this. So from that crazy prayer, verse 29, I love Jesus' answer. Come on. I added the on. He just said, come. Get out here. What are you waiting on? I think, that's, I think that's really the statement God's making to you today. Why are you staying in a boat with everybody else? Some of you guys feel like your life is the same boat over and over again. And what God's saying is, ask me to come to, to a new place. Ask me to get out of the boat. So Peter got out of the boat and he walked on water to Jesus. It may mean you have to leave what you're used to to get to where you're going. And I'm going to leave you with the last part because that'd be a great place for me to end this, but I have to put it in context. Verse 30. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid and began to sink and he cried out. Because here's the thing. When you begin to move into what God wants you to, every fear that you've ever pressed down is going to come into the, into the forefront of your mind. And it's going to try to sink where God's trying to take you. So if you're going to believe God for this, you've got to be ready for the fight. So he began to sink and he cried, Lord, save me. That's a crazy prayer. Scripture says this. It said that, that Jesus grabbed him by the hand. This isn't in the text, but Jesus grabbed him by the hand. And it doesn't say if he carried him or, or they just held It doesn't say, but it says Jesus reached down and caught him. And they walk back to the boat. Now everybody when you read the scripture wants to dog Peter for sinking. I applaud Peter for walking on the water. That's crazy. Give me a minute to try some of that action. Even if I sank, it would be worth the walk. What if what you believe God for has some sinking moments in it? But it's just crazy enough that it's worth the walk. I don't know what you're praying about. Because all of our crazy prayers are different. They're contextual to our life. Just like an issue of blood, or a dying daughter, or a boat, or a pick, pick whatever the context of what you're believing God for is. But here's the thing, all of them make up a crazy God story. Go back to the original thing I said, theology. How you build, how you see God. Maybe it's time that you got out of the boat of the way you were brought up and the things you wrestle with and the context that you put God in and saw Jesus maybe for the first time for what He really is and begin to pray a crazy prayer. Can we pray? 
Father, for every person here today who is going to pray a crazy prayer. God, who's just going to ask you to do something that is so unbelievable that they're not even sure it would ever come to pass. God, will you give them the courage to believe beyond what is normal. God, beyond what, what, what the peer group around them does. Because God, you have created them to do and go beyond what is average. God, average is ordinary. But God, what we want to do is we want to pray and believe you for extraordinary, for crazy things. God, not for our glory, but so that we can see you and so that others can see you. You're here today and you're like, Pastor, I'm watching online or you're here in the house and you're like, Pastor, I'm not where I'm supposed to be with God. And I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to call you down front. But I, I, I do want us all to pray together. That's you and you're like, you know what, Pastor, I'm here, but I'm not where I'm supposed to be with God. I need, I need to commit myself to Him. If that's you, will you slip your hand up? Thank you so much. Can we pray together across this place? Dear Heavenly Father, Right now, I invite you into my life. I ask that you forgive me of my sins and make me right with you. I thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name, amen. Give these folks a round of applause. Thank you for being part of our Thrive Tribe. If you want to partner with this ministry and what the Lord is doing here at Thrive, visit thrivechurchonline.com and click on the Give tab. Help us reach more people just like you by rating and subscribing to this podcast. You don't want to miss what's coming next.